Welcome to the Wellspring Community Church Podcast, where we exist to help real people find real hope in a real world. We hope today's message encourages you. Let's get into today's episode. This series was birthed out of hearing this question way too many times, and that is, what in the world is going on? What's been going on with our world for the last three years during COVID and after COVID, uh, the political divide, what is going on in the racial tension, what's going on in the political system. There's just so much going on. I mean, there's division upon division. I mean, it used to be one side versus the other side, and now it's the side that's on the same side can't even agree on the same thing. Hello. We got issues, we got problems. And so people have asked me what is going on. And so what I've wanted to do is just take the next few weeks and dive into your Bible. By the way, let me just say this to you. Your Bible is full of prophecy telling us about the end. One third of your Bible is about prophecy and the majority of the third is about the, a majority of that third is about the end, like the end of the end. So not just future things, but the end, what it's going to look like. The book of Ezekiel, the book of Daniel, the book of Deuteronomy, many of the minor prophets, they talk about the future. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 38, you can read it on your own. Ezekiel 38, 3,000 years before today, Ezekiel said that there was gonna be a, a union, a uniting of two primary force countries, and that is Russia and China. Turn on your news, in fact, just don't turn on your news. But if you turned on your news, you'll see the alignment that is happening with China and Russia. Uh, they, they, they call, it's called Rosh, is uh, Russia, and then uh, Ezekiel says the king of the east, which is China. So your Bible tells us what, what and why we're living in the days we're living in today. And so what I wanna do, and I feel like I've done a poor job, I think churches across America have done a poor job, including myself, let me just say that, preparing you for the end days preparing you. I feel like my pastors did. I feel like former people have done it. And so we just want to zero in. Like, listen, if you're here today and you're concerned, you have every right to be concerned because it's going to get bad. Not going to be good. It's going to be rough and it's going to be difficult. My prayer, my theology, we're going to miss a lot of it. However, it's going to get really bad even before the worser gets worser. Come on, Ruskin speech. Okay, it's gonna get bad, it's gonna get bad. Let me encourage you, and I started it last week and I'll do it again next week. Let me just encourage you with the words of Jesus. Soft, fatherly voice, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house and if it were not so, I would have told you. And then Jesus says this, I am going to prepare a place for you. Can I just tell you, the entire last days, end times, it is a love story, not a horror story. Jesus longs to be with his kids. He wants to be with you for all of eternity. And this we live in right now was not the place we were supposed to live in forever. Jesus says, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you. I, got, I can't, it was never intended for us to live on earth forever. And when it's all ready, this is the greatest news you'll hear all day. He's coming back to get you. In essence, here's what I want you to know. Before you clap, here's what I want you to know. He wants to prepare a place for you and him to spend eternity together. Now clap for that. It's the greatest thing. So that you will always be with me. He wants to be with you. 
So yes, he's gonna come back and there's gonna be some judging and some mark and great right throne and there's gonna be the tribulation and the millennial reign and we're gonna talk about all that next week. But listen, the theme that is embedded through the entire return of Jesus is the love that he has for you. And you know where I am going. So I said this last week, I gave you the why. Why does Jesus return? Next week, I'm gonna give you the what. And so I'm gonna attempt next week to preach in 40 minutes the entire book of Revelation in Jesus' name. So pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. So last week was why, next week is what, today is when. So I thought the best way for us to start this out is to go to the very words of Jesus. Jesus, so here's what you need to know about the Bible, especially if you're new to the Bible. There's an old section of the Bible, it's called the Old Testament, it's the old, it's before Jesus came. And there's a new section of the Bible, it's after Jesus. It's when Jesus comes and after. Well, there's 400 years of silence between Old Testament and New Testament, and then finally our eyes are awoken to life and it, it starts with the birth of Jesus. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give us one story of the same. So uh, just the other day I was talking to somebody and they said, oh my goodness, I read in Mark what was said in Matthew, and I had no idea that it's the same story. Well, that's what Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are. They basically tell the same story in their own ways. Well, when it comes to the end of the day, end of age, or last things, or eschatology, the end of it all, two of the four tell us what Jesus has to say. Not, not, that, not that Mark and John are bad people, but Matthew and Luke tell us. Matthew 24, and Luke 21 give us the very sermon that Jesus preached about his end of the earth. So I thought there's no better place to start than the words of Jesus, would you agree with me? So let's begin this way, grab your notes, grab your notes. Got a lot to give to you. Matthew 24, the Bible says this. Later, Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives and just time out so you know, Jesus left on the Mount of Olives at the great ascension and Jesus will return on the Mount of Olives. The Bible says he will return in the very place that he left. His disciples came to him, which no, no, it's not a dumb question, but his, his disciples come to Jesus and say, when's, when's the end gonna happen? When's it all gonna happen? When does the end of the age happen? What will signal, what, what can we know will happen before you come back? He said, what signals your return of the end of the world? And Jesus told them, here's what I need. Notice that Jesus rarely answers the question that's being asked. And what does Jesus say? Don't let anyone mislead you. Now let me just tell you something. We are living in a day and age where we are twisting and changing the word of God. Can I just tell you, the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it worked 5,000 years ago, it works today. And if he tarries his return, it will work 5,000 years from now. And this is what I felt like the Lord wanted me to, I said it last, last service, on my way home last Sunday, I felt the Lord say to me that we, we've gotta be careful. The Bible says that at the end, people will hear what their itching ear desires. You remember that verse? And I said last week, we've gotta be careful for people that try to change. By the way, you're in the spit zone, so I'm sorry. Okay, we try, to, we try to change, I'll back up so I don't get shamu on you, okay? So we, we try to change what the Bible says. Somebody will convince us of something and try to change us, and I felt the Lord say to me, and I wanna say it to you seven days later, God wanted me to tell you this, listen to me. 
You also don't, you can't just be concerned about the people and what they want to do to change you, but you've got to be concerned about your feelings because your feelings may not be biblical. And so if you're not careful, you'll feel like loving this person. You'll feel like doing this behavior. You'll feel like this is the right thing and you'll feel like this. And if I feel like this, then I just lead into the feeling. And I want you to know today, don't be misled by people, but also don't be misled by your feelings. Are you hearing me? I'm preaching a little bit better than you're responding so far. Listen, you can't trust your feelings. Your feelings deserve to be in the car, but they can never, 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 no, never. Your feelings can never be in the driver's seat of your life. And if your feelings are in the driver's seat of your life, then you will start to change what the Bible says. I know that hurts, but it's just the truth. Got me? So what's Jesus say? Uh, first thing I need you to know is don't be misled by people, for many will come in my name claiming they're the Messiah. They will deceive many. Verse five, the Bible says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars. I mean, are we, we're living in those days right now. Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. And that's the suckiest part of the sermon right there. You feel like if I just have to endure a little bit, the end will happen. No, no, what's Jesus say? Uh, just because the pain stops doesn't mean the end comes. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there'll be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. And listen to this line. But this is only the first of the birth pains. There's more to come. So listen, I've never been pregnant before. Never. I know I may look pregnant, but I've never been pregnant before. But I have watched my wife give birth to three kids in two pregnancies. You could do the math sometime later on that. And how many of you know, come on ladies, help me, there is a difference between I am one month pregnant and I am nine months pregnant, get this demon out of me, right? It's like one month, it's so beautiful and I'm taking the picture and woo And then your nine month, you're like, get him out of me. I'm not even sure I love, come on somebody. What am I saying to you? We are living in the ninth month of planet earth being what it's always been. We are, we're at the end. It's coming to an end. It's gonna be ending soon. And there is a difference between month one and month nine. And you're gonna say to me, well, I've heard generation, generations before say this is the end. I saw a guy, I, I went to school and the professor was telling me a book that he had read early on and it was um, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. How many know he missed it? <laughs> or he didn't, how many know that? So listen, there's a lot of generations that have said this is the generation, and I'm not here to convince you that this is the generation, but I'm just convincing you that there is a season right now that has only happened in this season that didn't happen in your mom and grandmother's season. And I wanna show that to you. So here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 26. He said, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will come. He says, the angels don't know. Jesus himself said, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows. So although you will not know the day or the time or the hour when he will come back, you can know that we are living in the ninth month. You can know the season. Because everything around us is saying that Jesus is coming out. Now take a deep breath. Come on, take a deep breath. 
Listen, I got great news for you. You're on the winning team if you're a Jesus follower. Three people are happy about that. You're on the winning team. You're on the winning team. You're on the winning team. Jesus says you're on the winning team. You're gonna be fine. But you're gonna endure some stuff. So I could give you dozens of reasons why we're living in the ninth month. But I wanna zero in on two. Can I do that? You okay today? Everybody okay? Am I freaking you out? If I am, it's okay. You need to be freaked out just a little bit. But at the end of the day, I need you to know that you're on the winning team. You are on the winning team. So here's two reasons. Let me zero in on two. I could do dozen, but let me do two. Okay, number one is this. Write it down. Number one, here's why I know we're living in the ninth month is because there is an increase in wickedness. The bad will get worse. The bad's gonna get worse. Matthew 24. Here's what Jesus said in his sermon. He said, then you will be arrested. Don't raise your hand, not trying to single it, but, but most of you in this room have never been arrested. Most of you in this room are starting to get a handle on what it looks like to be persecuted. And because you're still breathing, nobody's been killed. Here's what the Bible says, you will be hated. I mean, I, I, I just read an article that two weeks ago came out, maybe you read it as well, that said if I, as Dakota, Liam, and Layla's parents, if I don't allow my kids to get a gen gender reconstruction surgery, I can be arrested for not allowing them to have that. Can I just tell you right now, we are living in some crazy days. Crazy. And Jesus says this, that you will be hated for standing up for the truth all over the world because you are my followers and many will turn away from me. Listen, there are gonna be people in 2023 and I hope it's none of us in this room that are living for the word of God but now that the persecution and the struggle and the twisting happens, three years later you've walked so far away and many of you know people that have done that. And you look at them and go, how did you get here? It's because we trusted feelings rather than the scripture. Here's what he says. He says, sin will be rampant everywhere. Oh my God, are you seeing that? It is everywhere, everywhere. And the love of many, maybe the saddest verse in the entire Bible, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one, and this is my prayer for Wellspring, listen to me, this is my prayer for your family, and the one who endures to the end will be saved. So what I wanna do is I just wanna prepare you. I confess to you in Jesus' name, I have not prepared you well, and I'm gonna confess to you as the capital P pastor, we have not prepared you well for what is going to happen at the end. And all I wanna do is not scare you, I wanna prepare you. His, his, Jesus coming back is not, should not make you furious, but it should make you understand that he's furious about being with you. His fury just wants to be with his kids. That's all he wants. So Paul, talking to his son in, faith, in the faith, Timothy said this in 2 Timothy. Paul said this. You should know this, Timothy, that the last days, there will be very difficult times. Now, again, you can go study this on your own, but on Mark chapter eight, in Mark chapter eight, Jesus heals a, a demoniac, a man that's possessed by a demon. And the Bible says about this situation, it says that this man 
had a very difficult demon inside of him. The Greek word in Mark chapter eight for difficult is the same Greek word in 2 Timothy when talking about the last days. What am I saying to you? There will be demonic forces that will wanna twist what we think and how we behave. So what does Jesus say? Be careful who's leading you. Be careful, be careful for anybody that twists the gospel or the scripture. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful, proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Come on, teenagers. And ungrateful, they'll consider nothing sacred. Can I just say, cancel culture? The moment truth can't be truth, you know our country's going in the wrong direction. When you start to redefine what truth is, you're in, you're in deep doo-doo. Verse three says this. They will be unloving and unforgiving and they will slander others. That's, that's cancel culture. They'd have no self-control. That's social media. I don't, I don't talk to you face-to-face. -face. I'm gonna post it on social media. They will be cruel and hate what has got good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride. And the love of pleasure will happen rather than their love for God. Feelings, feelings, feelings. Does it make me feel good? Do I feel good? Can I just say something to you? Jesus is more interested in your holiness than he is your happiness. Can, can I just tell you, I read this Bible, and listen, I don't feel good every time I stop reading the Bible, but I feel more holy. And how many of you know over a period of time when you feel more holy, you start to be happy? But just because you're happy doesn't mean you're holy. That's 17.37, 12, 13, 17% better than you're responding right there. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from such people. Go study it on your own. America is in what is called, it's called uh, late decadence. You heard that term before? Late decadence. Here's what it means. Moral decline. I don't have time to go into this, but in our 5,000 years of world history, by the way, that's it. Okay, you didn't come from an ape. 5,000 years, 6,000 maybe if you add a little bit. It's, it's about five to 6,000 years of history. And when you study five to 6,000 years of history, you see dozens upon dozens of nations that are in what's called late decadence, a moral decline. Not one, not one country has ever made it out of late decadence. America is in a period for the last 20 to 22 years, scholars say, missiologists say this, 20 to 22 years, our country, America, is in what's called late decadence. Now listen, if, if, if history tells us anything, we won't get out of it. But if America can do anything, we've accomplished a lot, have we not? If any country can get out for the, being the one country to get out of this late decadence, how many of you got a little bit of faith that America can do it? That's the time to clap. Even though you may not feel it, it's time to believe it. Yeah. They say there's five reasons why a, why a country goes into late decadence. And I'm gonna give them to you and I'm just gonna tell you, what, this, is not, this is not me. So if it offends you, I'm sorry. It's just what the Bible says. There's a removal of the nuclear family. There's gender confusion. There's a loss of respect for life. 
There's sexual immorality. Sleep with who you want. And in fact, let's just say it like this way. Sleep with what you want. And the number fifth one is a fight for the right for the unborn. When those five things are on the decline, a country will decline and not one in our, on our world history has ever been able to make the uptick back up. Listen to me, listen to me, this is bad news. We're in trouble. But the good news is, we still got Jesus living inside of us, do we not? And if anybody, anybody can recover, I think the American Christian church can recover from what is happening right now in our country. You agree with me? I agree, I think so. We're gonna get to some good news in just a moment, all right? Here's a couple more signs, write them down, is there's worldwide satellite technology. We're the only generation that has worldwide technology. No generation prior to us has ever had it. Revelation chapter 11, go read it on your own. Revelation chapter 11 says there's gonna be, during the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, there's gonna be two men that are gonna rise up and be what's called the two witnesses. Most believe it's Elijah and Moses, some Enoch, there's been some other people that have thought, but most likely it's Moses and Elijah, but I'm not, I'm not betting anything on that. But these two witnesses are gonna rise up, they're gonna be big evangelists during the tribulation, but at some point, Revelation 11 tells us, at some point, those two men will die. Now what is fascinating, go read it on your own, Revelation chapter 11 says, the entire, don't miss this, the entire world will witness the killing of these two witnesses at the very same time. Couldn't have happened 50 years ago. There was no internet. Right now, listen to me, Something could be happening in our world. I don't care where it's at. You could turn on satellite internet technology and everybody in the entire world could be watching and viewing the very same thing. No, your grandmother couldn't say that. We're living in the ninth month. Here, here's, a, here's another one. There's worldwide financial technology. So in the end, when the Antichrist rises up, there will be something called the mark of the beast. Now listen, this is, this is where we, we, we screw it up way too many times. The mark of the beast is not a religious sign. The mark of a beast is a, is a commerce sign. It's a mark that will go on us. And what this mark will say, this mark will be how we actually buy things and purchase things. By the way, two years ago, Google it. Two years ago, the New York Times said there was a, uh, they did a, a, an article on this, an interview on this, that there was a company in Wisconsin that forced all of their employees to have a mark on their wrist to actually show that they were an employee of that company. Why am I telling you this? Because the technology is here right now for Jesus to return. You smile a little bit today. You're like, I got nothing to smile about. So let me swing the pendulum as far to the other side as I can. So here's why I know we're in the ninth month, because there's gonna be an increase in wickedness. Let me swing it as far as I can. But the second reason why I know we're living in the ninth month is because there's also gonna be an increase in the gospel spreading. Are you hearing me? There's gonna be an increase. So the bad is gonna get worse and the good is gonna get better. Just, just watch the Christian news reports and watch what is happening in our country, the revivals that are happening on college campuses. And let me just say some time out for those of you who go, well, let's do that. You don't create a revival. The revival happens and you just get in the vein of the revival happening. 
I hear people trying to like do trainings on revival. There's no training on revival. You just, you, just, you just live like Jesus and when the anointing of the Holy Spirit shows up on something, you just step in and go, I won't be a part of that. They didn't plan that at all these universities. It wasn't planned. But they stepped in and they created the opportunity. It's happening all over our world. You don't see it. I can't stand on the stage because we're streaming this message. But there are places in India, in Russia, that the underground church is spreading like it's never spread before. That's why we're encouraging, literally right now, I'm in, I'm in thought process of how do we get the gospel to the 1040 window? So we give to mission partners, but I feel this leading of the Holy Spirit that I wanna send money to, to this region. It's this region of the world that the gospel, and there's no Christ followers, and how do we get it there? You know why? Because the quicker everybody hears the word of God, the quicker Jesus comes back. Matthew chapter 25, four verse 14 says this, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. And when that happens, even when it gets to the 1040 window, when all the nations hear about it, then and only then will Jesus come back. I mentioned last week there are 193 sovereign nations, 193 sovereign nations in our world. And it's not that the gospel's gotta get to all of those nations, it's, more, it's deeper than that. There are 7,000 language groups in those 193 sovereign nations. They're called ethnos, these language groups. And once the gospel gets to all 7,000 of those ethnos, those language groups, then Jesus will return. So our prayer, what we're doing right now, middle of this moment, is we're having conversations of how do we get the gospel to places that has never been. But I'm gonna tell you, it's spreading. You need to know this, that 53 years ago, in 1970, by the way, if you study U.S. history, a lot of people think that uh, the, the, uh, the population is like skyrocketing. It's not. Most are saying it's stagnant, maybe declining just a little bit. So it's not on this uptick population. So when I give you these numbers, don't throw back at me, well, it's because population's going up. No, 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 it's not. Because in 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians on this planet. Three years ago. In 2020, it not only doubled, but it more than doubled. There are 2.6 billion Christians walking this planet. I think that's deserve a, a, just a second to take a praise break and thank Jesus for that. Now, why, right, why? Why is that? Well, what's interesting is we partner with organizations like Compassion and World Vision and and, and, uh, and uh, Convoy of Hope and these other mission organizations and what they have found and what, what we've known for a while is that when the poverty rate goes down, the Christian convert rate goes up. So when you feed people natural nourishment, you get an opportunity to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're, they go hand in hand. So in 1990, 23 years ago, is that right? 30, 33 years ago, in 1990, our 52% of our world, it's not good for me to do math on the fly on this stage. 52% of the world was in extreme poverty. Over half. Now what's fascinating is you go 27 years later, in 2007, it actually drops 2007, it drops to 16% of the world is in extreme poverty. Now I'm not minimizing the fact that it's 16%, but look at the drop in 27 years. It's because the poverty rate drops, the Christian convert rate goes up. 
That's what we've seen. And then if you go to 2022, it's only 9.2% of our world is in extreme poverty. What's fascinating is 90% of this 9.2% are in portions of our world that have no missionary or a Bible. So if we can get, listen, I'm, not, I'm not smart. I'm a simple guy from Ruskin. I was a C minus student. But I, as I read the Bible, if we can get to this 9.2% of people with the Bible and with the missionary, we could speed up Jesus' return. We could forego this uh, and we could spend eternity with Jesus once and for all. Who would want that? Here's another sign. Let me, am I, am I, am I, am I, are you okay today? You all right? Losing anybody? All right? Sure? You're like, I didn't know I was going to college class today. All right, so let me give you, let me give you one more piece that just shows that we're living in the end of days, okay? Matthew 24, this is Jesus talking still, verse 15, it's his sermon, it's in two places, Luke and Matthew. So he goes on in verse 15, and what, here's what he says, very interesting, he takes a hard right turn, and he says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about 2,500 years ago, standing in the holy place, you know, is getting bad. Now, what's interesting is, I'm gonna talk about this next week, by the way, so I'm gonna just gloss over for just a minute. But I'm gonna talk about the tribulation, but this tribulation, it's the most confusing part of the entire end. It's a seven-year period where, uh, where the wrath of God is gonna be on display in this world, and it's all gonna start when the Palestinians and the Israel Israelites sign a treaty, and that treaty will actually signify the rebuilding of the temple, and when they start to rebuild the temple after this treaty, we know that the Antichrist is on the scene. But what's interesting is that will go on for three and a half years, and then at the three and a half year period, the Antichrist is gonna look at the people, most likely he's gonna be a politician or somebody famous, but he's gonna look at the people and say, psych, just kidding, never mind, no longer can you do that, and he's gonna take a statue of himself, it's gonna be placed in the temple, and it's gonna signal the worse is gonna get worser. Is that a word? It's gonna get worser, it's gonna get bad. Now, here's why another proof of harpazo, which is a snatching of the Christians before all this happens. When you read 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians says that the Antichrist, go read it, the Antichrist will not come on the scene until the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth. Well, where does the Holy Spirit live? Where does he live? In you. So in order for the Holy Spirit to remove from the earth, the, the thing, the people that house the Holy Spirit must be gone from the earth as well. Tarpazzo, it's snatching, he's gonna be gone. He's, we're gonna be gone, we're, we're not going to be here. I'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But Daniel chapter 12, we read what Daniel saw. See, next week I'm gonna talk about John's vision on the island of Patmos. John saw resurrected Jesus. He saw it, made him, made him pass out. What he saw in his physical appearance literally was something John had never seen before. He passed out. This is one of his friends. Passed out. Thousands of years prior to this, Daniel saw some stuff. And in Daniel chapter 12, listen to what he said. The Bible says this. And at that time, Michael, there's three main angels in your Bible. 
Uh, there's Lucifer, he was in charge of worship, and he's now not doing real good, okay? Lucifer, okay? Uh, then you have, you have Gabriel. Gabriel's the announcement guy. He comes and makes announcements. He came to Mary. And then you have Michael. Michael's the warring angel, okay? So the Bible says that a third of the angels fell with Lucifer. Most people believe that there was a third of angels that were with Michael, the warring angel. So the archangel who stands guard over your nation will rise. And he says, there's gonna be a time of anguish. That's a tribulation. Greater than since before. You know what he's saying? That where he gets bad now, it's gonna get really, really bad. And there's gonna be some really, really bad before that. That's Jesus. Tell him I'm almost done. I know I'm in the red. Tell Jesus I'll be done in just a second. First came into existence, but at that time, every one of your people whose name, listen to this, here's what Daniel saw. He said there's gonna be a book and there's gonna be names written in it. What did Daniel see? The Lamb's Book of Life. Daniel saw it. Daniel saw the vision that in heaven there is a book with our names. So it says, Joey Atkins, March of 1999, on Wednesday afternoon, you knelt before your bed and you asked Jesus to come in and say, okay, sign, check, highlighted, whatever. You're good to go. You get a fast pass into heaven. He said, there's a book. Last Sunday, that was you, Dad. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you, you don't experience it all. Uh, name written in the book, we rescued. And many of those, listen to this, I had somebody yesterday at the men's breakfast say, hold on, I'm so confused. I thought when we died, we go to heaven. You do. You're like, okay, but you said these bodies are gonna rise up. They will. And he goes, that's gonna be cool. I know, it's gonna be crazy and weird, but it's gonna be amazing. The Bible says, and many of those whose bodies lie dead, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise. What's gonna happen is they've been buried they're gonna rise up. Now, let me just tell you something. That is going to be the freakiest, coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's gonna happen. Some will rise to everlasting life and some will go to their final place. That's a torment, a lake of fire, a place called hell. What does Daniel say? Daniel says, I see a place where there's this book and the Lamb's book of life is in there. All right, last thing and then I'm done. Last thing, last thing. Is that Okay. Good, okay, so here's how it ends. This is so fascinating. Here's how it ends. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky and those who have many righteous will shine like the sky. And that's my prayer for you. If I had another sermon to preach, I'd preach that right there, that you as the church would shine like stars in the sky. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret, seal it up until the end of time. And then there will be, don't miss these last two things. Then there will be many that rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Hold on, this is Daniel. This is, this is 3,000 years ago. Daniel said there's gonna be a time in, in this pregnancy of the earth where people are gonna be rushing here and there. They're gonna be able to go here and there like that. They're moving quick. And knowledge will increase. Well, can, can I just give you just a cherry on the top? That's a question. This is not a movie. Let me just give you the cherry on the top. Here's, here's another reason why I know we're living in the ninth month. Because the Bible, you see it? The Bible says that there will be an increase in travel. Do you know that this has only happened over the last 100 years? Before the 1900s, people were in buggies. They were like on their horse. Come on, somebody, broken back and all. They were like, like, like that, that's, that was travel for thousands of years. But then there were cars. And now there are cars that drive themselves. 
There's going to be planes that drive themselves. I mean, it travel is crazy. I mean, I could, I could end my message right now, and I could be in China before you hit your pillow, your, your head hits the pillow tonight. It's so quick. You ever been in states, like out west, where you're driving and like, you feel like every like 20 minutes you're in a new city and you're like, when did we get into that city? We were just in this city. Well, it's, it's how they did it. It's how you knew you were time to call it a night and to get a hotel room and, and stop. You've traveled far enough because you knew you were in another city. Travel has increased. Travel has. But Daniel said there's also gonna be this increase in knowledge. When you study our world history, knowledge, up until 200 years ago, knowledge had never doubled. Never. Never in our human history had knowledge doubled. But in 1950, knowledge started doubling about every 25 years. In 2013, knowledge, 10 years ago, knowledge started doubling every 18 months to two years. Come on, if you got an iPhone, you know that. Update, update. My phone doesn't work anymore. That's because your three-year contract's up. They want you to get a new one. Come on, Steve Jobs ain't stupid. Just quick. I mean, you buy the new thing and the new thing's out as quickly as you bought the, the old thing. There's just increase. We're living in unique days, church. Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back just to rule with an iron fist. He's coming back with loving arms to welcome his bride back in. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I want my family there. I want my friends there. I want my community there. Last verse. Second Timothy says this. Second Peter says this. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. And let me just say this to you. That doesn't have to be the case for you. I know the Bible says it, but I don't think it has to be the case for you. I don't think it has to be this. Whoa, oh my goodness, it happened. I think it very easily, yeah, I think you could go to bed every night and say, Jesus, if tonight's my last night, man, wake me up in heaven. I think you could know enough scripture and I think you could serve Jesus and I think you could be so expected that it's not a surprise when Jesus comes back. You're ready. I know the Bible describes it like a thief in the night and I know that it's gonna be, there's gonna be this surprise, but I think for many of us believers, it doesn't have to be as big a surprise as we think it is. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly life should we live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. You got a part to play. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away like Listen, you don't got to be scared. You don't got to be worried. You don't have to be fearful. Here's what you do have to be ready. You have to be ready. You have to be ready. I'm closing the iPad, which means I'm done, even though I got three more slides, but I'm done. So what do I do? What do I do? Let me give you three practical things and then we're done. First thing you got to do, listen to me, do not miss this. You got to let your eternal purpose lead you. Lead you. You know what I mean by that? that God put something inside of you that is only for you. It's not for anybody else, it's for you. Can I tell you what God's put inside of me and if I don't do it, I know I'm not stewarding the gift that God's put inside of me. God has called me to pastor South Shore community. That's it, I know that. So if I move somewhere else, I know I am dismissing the call of God in my life. 
Even when there's days, come on, somebody. What's your eternal purpose? You're gonna stand before the Lord one day and he's gonna either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's gonna say, depart from me, you work over iniquity. I never knew you. I wanna hear him say, well done. Here's the second thing, is make sure you do what's first first. Focused on the first thing. So many of you, you're waiting until you get to that age or that season or you get married or you have kids or you're out of debt, and you're, then you'll do it. No, no, no. You're not promised another day. In fact, the breath in your lungs is a gift from your creator. Focus on what is first. And then if anything, I can give you any message. Don't delay. Don't delay. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Step in to what God has called you to do. So listen, look up here. Look up here. Look up here with me. I want you to smile up here at me. Because can I just say something to you? I'm not trying to scare hell out of you. I just want to get heaven into you. And not just salvation heaven, purpose heaven, calling heaven, joy heaven, ready heaven. I, I want you to help get your family members to heaven and your friends to heaven. How, how, how miserable would it be if you love that person on earth and you got to spend all of eternity without them? Well, that would stink. I loved him a lot here. I'd love to love him a lot there, but I won't have five seconds of courage to tell him about Jesus. Are you hearing me? Let your eternal purpose lead. Focus on what is first and don't delay. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking. How many of you in this room would say, today was at least, at least one ounce of a wake-up call for you? It woke you up, it shook you a little bit. Like, you're like, okay, I get it, I'm ready. How many of you would say that? Just lift your hand up. I won't embarrass you, I'm not calling you out, I'm not making you fill out anything, just so many of you. Would you leave your hand up while I pray for you? I'd love to pray for you. I just would be my great honor and privilege to be able to pray for you. Father, right now, I pray for every hand that's in the air. And God, today was a little bit of a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call for me writing it. God, I wanna be ready. I wanna be ready for your return. I don't want it to come like a thief in the night. I wanna be ready and prepared. And Father, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I got some things I still wanna do. So I wanna be on mission. Would you just, in your mind, just, just tell, tell God in your own words. You don't have to say it out loud. Just in your heart. Just say, God, I'm going to be on mission with that. Just You know what it is. I'm going to be on mission with that. I'm going to focus on what's first. I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to wait till that season. So, Father, I pray for every single person within the sound of my voice that wants to be right by you, be with you for all of eternity. Guide us. Guide our speech. With your heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking. I want to ask you one more question. Again, I won't embarrass you, but man, I just, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give you an opportunity to make yourself, your soul right with Jesus so that we can know that you're going to heaven when you die. And if you've never done that before, I would encourage you to pray this simple prayer, just in your spirit. You say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. Would you come in to my life and be my Lord and savior? I believe what you did on the cross Thank you for rising again from the dead. Thank you for my eternal place in heaven with you. I give you all of my sin, past, present, and future, and I receive salvation today. Now with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, how many of you be brave and bold, just, just so I can celebrate with you? I'd love to eat lunch today and go to bed tonight knowing that you prayed that prayer. I'd love to just know that, just be make my heart happy. How many of you prayed that prayer? 
there's up here. I see you. I see you. I see. You. Lift up real tall. I just want to see you. I prayed that prayer. Man, so many. I, I, lift it up real quick. I just I'm trying to make sure I get. There's got to be 20 people. Come on, lift it up real tall. I prayed that prayer. Let me, let me just say this to you. Listen to me. I just I just want to be make sure. I I don't want you to be scared into this decision. I want you to be called into this decision. Called into it. Yearning. That's you, just lift your hand up. I wanna, I wanna pray for you. Father, right now, I pray for every single person that's receiving you as Lord and Savior today. I thank you that you love them and you see them and they are your daughter and they are your son. And if you had to do it again, you would do it again, but I'm thankful that one time is enough. I thank you that they once were lost, but now they're found. May you be high and lifted up in their life. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said? Come on. Let's give God a good shout of praise. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about Wellspring Community Church, visit our website at wellspringfl.com. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend services. We'll see you in the next episode.